0: Welcome back to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Mike Perry, and I'm here as always with my good friend, Brett Jones. And today we're going to be talking about kettlebell training for hypertrophy, but also for aesthetics. So Brett, how are you doing today, buddy? Fabulous.
1: Um, I, although I'm reaching these, one of the saddest parts of my day, I'm, I'm finishing my last sips of coffee. So I'm, I'm going to shed a tear and then get on with the rest of my day.
0: Well, I think maybe you know after this we can we can really talk about how that's going to impact the weekend. I think that's a uh, you know pretty important. Or you could just get some more coffee. I mean it's it, there's always that. Um yeah, so today we're going to be talking about um kettlebell training for hypertrophy, which right away people are going to be thinking, you can't do that. And and uh my answer to you is you can absolutely do that if you know what you're doing. Um but again, there are some guidelines and there are some things that you need to follow to make sure that you're doing this correctly because uh, there are ways to program, um, that will absolutely get you that, that desired effect of put packing on some muscle. And it's not going to be in the traditional split way where you're doing, you know, back and bys, chest and tries, legs and shoulders type thing. It's, it's a little bit different, but it does work. So, um, Brett, let's, let's, uh, sort of, uh, we'll start with you here. Um, you've obviously been doing this a, a, a lot longer than I have, um, do you remember any time in your sort of kettlebell training career where you started to work with bells and then all of a sudden you're like, wow, I'm my body's changing a little bit. Um, it's sort of that sort of we've got that what the hell effect that we always talk about, but um, have you ever did you ever sort of come to the realization early on that wow, this stuff is is great for obviously GPP, muscular endurance, et cetera. but was there a point where you're like, wow, this is this is a really nice way to, to put on some some muscle as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, certainly, Um, if I go way back in time, um, shortly after within two years of having started, uh, kettlebell training, I entered into grip training. And so I'm going to go two different directions here. So I entered into grip training and the first time I ever tried any sort of grip stuff, I closed a Captain's and crush number two gripper and, uh, bent a 60 penny nail. And, uh, the gentleman that was kind of taking me through this stuff was, a a, a guy named Steve McGranahan, uh, who used to go by the, uh, the moniker of world's strongest redneck. So you can kind of YouTube Steve and, uh, Steve's a big guy, Steve's about, you know, six five, three thirty, uh, just a mountain of a man. And just one of the kindest, uh, gentlest people that you'd ever want to run into, but I've seen him do some stuff in training that I've never seen anybody else do. Um, he is, he. Just amazing. Anyway, so he he uh, is like, "Well, try this." Boom, and I close the number two. He's like, "Hmm, try this. Bend a sixty penny nail." He's like, "Hmm, what do you do?" I'm like, i like kettlebells. <laughs> like I I train, and at this time I'm I'm a buck seventy um, ish, buck seventy, buck seventy five, maybe probably more like one seventy. But um, you know, I, I just had built a level of strength uh, via kettlebell training. And and had strong hands via kettlebell training, which uh, led me into some strongman training. Which I put a three hundred sixty pound atlas stone on a four foot platform. I actually did uh, a strongman competition, and I was actually really good at the stones. And and I actually um, hummer deadlift eleven reps. Um, you know, I, I I had a lot of fun doing that stuff. But I entered into it, and it was hilarious to be at the strongman competition. Huh. Such and such two eighty, such and such two sixty five, such and such three thirty. Uh, me, 175 or 180. And everybody's like, what? <laughs> you, you could hear the crowd go, huh? Exactly. Um, and then I walk out and they're like, oh boy, this guy's in trouble. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, that kind of what the heck effect. Like, I had no idea that I was going to be that good at grip training um, or that I would make a transition into some strongman training and actually kind of do fairly well at such a light lightweight. <clears throat> um, but I think as far as like hypertrophy and physique transformation, the most impactful time for me was post-cancer treatment um, where I had lost 40, uh, over 40 pounds during the course of my seven-week uh, cancer treatment. So I entered into treatment at 205, I finished at 164 and probably hit a low of 163 as far as my body weight was concerned. Um, that's a lot of tissue lost. Um, now granted, I went in heavy and I was not the thinnest individual in the world. I had some adipose tissue that was along for the ride. Um, and you know, that was gone, and but a tremendous amount of muscle mass was gone. And over that time, May, May 15 will be two years since the end of my cancer treatment. Um, and I would say from probably uh the the, the second year uh post-cancer has been like the most impactful from a hypertrophy and, and physique standpoint, where uh the type of training that I'm doing is resulting in me. I look the way I want to look, but I'm not trying to look the way that I'm I look. I'm just training and I'm getting the the results. So I don't know if I answered the question.
0: <laughs> no, you just went on a, you know, a basic ramble and, you know, as always just talking about yourself. No. Um you did answer the question. Of course you did. Um but um you know, and you said you mentioned sort of, you know, post cancer and um obviously in a scenario like that, when you did lose the weight and and I've been there as well, um, it it does give you a a different starting point, right? Because, um, you know, you, you kind of, you're starting from, from sort of ground zero. and, And I don't want to say that you get to enjoy those newbie gains, but because of the fact that you did, um, lose all that, uh, all that, all that muscle, um, when you start back up, I don't want to say it's easier to pack it on, but because of your training history and you know what to do and you know how to program, I think you had a little bit of a cheat code compared to the average individual that would be trying to, you know, put a little bit of uh, size back on, you know, post-treatment. And, um, what did those, what do those, uh, workouts look like, Brett? Like what, you know, give me the, 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 you don't have to give me sets, reps, et cetera, just kind mm-hmm. of run me through what those sessions looked like and, and how did you think about designing these?
1: So uh, it's all been in the process of building out the iron cardio uh, slash strength aerobics protocols that I've been working on with a combination of snatches and some swings. Um, You know, the volume of work that I can accomplish in these iron cardio sessions and strength aerobic sessions is pretty high. So I can't do them, uh, my shoulders and and I, I just, the volume of pressing gets to the point where I need to do something else for a day. And so swings are still in the mix and I I am back to working with the 48 kilo um, for for some swings. um, And I'm working mainly the 28 to 32 kilo for uh, snatches. And like yesterday, I was alternating between some sequences with the 28 kilo and the 32 kilo on the snatch and a total of 180 reps, 90 reps at each, um, pardon me, at each weight. And so pretty good volume. Um, you know, most people uh, and, and I've surprised myself with the volume of work that I've been able to take on 150 to 170 uh, NL with the 48 kilo one arm swings and, you know, building up to 300 some odd reps within an iron cardio session with the 32 and 36 kilo bells um, and sometimes incorporating the 40 kilo bells. So I, I've built up to some really high volume work. And when you look at hypertrophy, you need enough intensity with enough volume, with enough density of work to get a little bit of an acidic response to kick off the hypertrophy mechanisms. And it's it's funny um, from a from research standpoint and from a, a, a scientific standpoint, we understand cardiovascular adaptations really well, right? We've, we've kind of got that nailed down. We still don't really understand hypertrophy um we have these ideas um we have these practical things that we know work like i said enough intensity enough volume enough density with enough recovery and you get hypertrophy so my training routine has not been with the goal of hypertrophy my training routine is just with the goal of training i'm just working and accomplishing different workloads but I've gotten a good hypertrophy response by what I'm doing because my intensity is enough, my volume is enough, and my density is enough. And so when you when you get that going, you get hypertrophy.
0: Yeah, and and, and it's funny you said that about sort of the sort of the science component because uh, I've looked into a lot of the work from uh, you know Dr. Mike Israetel and, and Brad Schoenfeld and these guys that are like hypertrophy gurus. And even their guidelines, they basically kind of say the same thing that you just said, here are the guidelines, then there's the but, And it's like, well, in some cases, five by 10 works as good as 10 by 10, but then there's all those variables in the middle. And now you're seeing a lot of stuff that saying from a hypertrophy standpoint, you can do work that's you know 50% of your max and that will still trigger hypertrophy, but you have to follow these basic guidelines in order to get that response um, which is good because, you know, you can, you can pack on some muscle and not have to kill yourself with heavy, heavy sets. So it definitely is a true art and a science. And I, and I think, um, you know, down the road as, as this stuff sort of, uh, you know, as those individuals start to research more and and, and dig a little bit deeper, I'm sure they're going to find more mechanisms of why that happens. But, um, I will say this, a lot of this, I, I have not seen too much or anything for that matter regarding kettlebell training and hypertrophy, because I think it's, it's, it's just new. And, and I think the people that have been doing it for a while understand how to do it and understand that it, it is a viable option. But I think a lot of people just, they don't think that it's possible. They think that kettlebells are going to keep you skinny, wiry, and strong, right? And and, that, and they can 100%. They totally can if you program it a certain way. But at the same time, it's like anything, you have to follow the, the guidelines of time under tension, density, volume, load, and the kettlebells, it's a tool. And obviously there's a specific skill set that you need to be able to, to implement that tool and use that tool properly. But um I think what we're going to see down the road is I think we're going to see more and more people starting to use kettlebells in this fashion because it works. One, in my opinion, two, it's really fun. And 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 three, it's and it's gentler on the body than just hammering the heavy, heavy barbell work. And and nothing against the barbell. I I love the barbell. It's just that at this point in my life, I have no desire to start loading up and, 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 you know, beating myself up with the barbell because my, my goal is not that my goal is, is grappling in jujitsu and my strength and conditioning is, is designed and and it's implemented to make that better. So I think we're going to see, um, you know through the works of what you're doing with your iron cardio and complexes and this and that, I think we're going to start to see a lot of people moving towards that style of training because um it works. And and I, I just I'm I'm a I'm a huge uh, believer in it, but at the same time uh you know I, I really do think it's going to change the way people view hypertrophy training.
1: Definitely. So a couple of things I want to uh, capitalize on there. And you mentioned kind of the 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 I'm going to refer to it as the forgiveness that's built into kettlebell training Mm -hmm. and the lack of forgiveness that's built into barbell training. Once you lock on to that barbell, to that symmetrical load, uh, you are trapped between you and the barbell. And this is true, whether we're talking bench press, military press, squat or deadlift, you are locked into that object and that the way that force, it's the same conversation as single leg versus double leg, right? Once you're on two feet and you're trapped between your feet, there is a different reality of what's happening at the ankle, knee, hip, torso, through the body. uh, And now you're locked into a symmetrical barbell. So all of your wiggle room and forgiveness goes away. You're locked into that load. Whereas with single kettlebell and even with double kettlebell training, there is a forgiveness built in. There is an ability to find your path to, uh, have this self adjusting situation that is really far more forgiving, uh, than being locked in on, on the barbell and that symmetrical load. So I think that's a huge key component. Um, and, I think one of the reasons people haven't looked at kettlebell training as a hypertrophy uh, tool is uh, A, tradition, Uh, B, we don't think of kettlebells as a max strength tool. And in a lot of ways, it's not a great max strength tool. Uh, Just to be perfectly blunt, the, the displaced center of mass of the bell gets so large at a certain point relative to a person's structure to where it's not the ideal tool to be trying to move a bunch of weight with the barbell is the barbell. It's kind of kind of like it was designed for it uh, that the, <laughs> the that the barbell was meant to to you know carry much higher, higher loads. So yes, there's a point where um, the offset center of mass is assistive and uh, gets you uh, strength hypertrophy development, and then there's a point where it's too much. The, the displaced center of mass is too high. But now you got to be able to be locked in on that symmetrical load of the barbell and, and have that low level of forgiveness. Now, to come back to the hypertrophy aspect of things, enough intensity with enough volume with enough density, those things are easily achievable with, with the kettlebell. And so, not to keep coming back to me, but like the, the workloads that I'm accomplishing now you know, 300 some odd rep iron cardio sessions, 180 to 240 rep uh, snatch sessions, 150 to close to 200 rep swing sessions. Um, That's a lot of volume. The eccentric load that happens with the kettlebell, swings, snatches, and ballistics, totally unique. Eccentrics are great for creating enough tissue damage to where there's a hypertrophy response the volume that you can accomplish in getting into those mildly acidic conditions at that intensity, at that volume, you get the hypertrophy response. So I think there's some really amazing things that can happen with kettlebell training as far as hypertrophy is concerned. And you tag in that forgiveness
0: factor. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, listen, uh, for, for our listeners don't hear what we're not saying. We're not saying that all of a sudden, if you do some kettlebell complexes, you're going to look like, you know, Jay Cutler, like (laughs) that's not the case, right? Um, if you're into bodybuilding and you are trying to get ready for a show, I don't, you know, kettlebells aren't going to be the answer for you, right? They're just not, there's there, that's a whole different ball game, but, um, you can absolutely pack on muscle, um, with kettlebells. And, and here's the way that I look at it because I've been experimenting with, with this stuff on and off. And, um, one of the things that I've, I've noticed when I've programmed the style of training for, for myself and for other people is you don't necessarily see people all of a sudden just get bigger arms and, and, you know, this and that, you don't, you just see them slowly kind of get thicker and broader. And, and it seems to be that the sort of the adaptation is um, again, because we're not doing specific splits, you don't, you know, all of a sudden you're not going to see someone's chest just get magically bigger, but you're just going to see people from what I can see, the, the, the adaptations are people just get, get thicker front to back and thicker side to side, but there isn't like, Oh man, your arms are huge. It just, you know, the, I guess the, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of the best terminology. It's like, you know, you just get thicker, like a brick shit house. Like you just, you just get thick and robust and, and durable. Um, and it, and it builds that armor and, and in a functional way. And when I say functional, um, you know, the ability to, in my world in jujitsu, it's armor building for me. It's the ability to to get taken down and to get thrown around and have my coaches beat the bag out of me and still be able to come the next day. And and that's really what it's all about is for me, it's about durability and muscle is durability, right? It's armor. And and that's the biggest thing that I've seen is it's, you get a little bit thicker, you get, but it's the resiliency in the process, the durability in which you um, you develop simultaneously, to me, that that is just as impactful as the aesthetic component.
1: Definitely. And, um, you know, Pavel, uh, years ago, referred to it as psychoplasmic psycho, uh, hypertrophy uh, versus um, uh, myofibril hypertrophy. And so we know that in, and if you've, if you know, bodybuilding at all, or you've kind of strength trained at all, um, you know, that after a couple of sets of higher rep work, you get the pump, there's an increase in blood flow and fluid to those areas. And so the arms will look really good, uh, you know, for five minutes, uh, in, in, in the mirror. Um, but that's time to take a selfie though. hundred percent. That's how I do it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, you got to take some of those down. You got to take some of those.
1: <laughs> um, but you know we we know that we get a pump we look bigger because we have this increase in fluid uh, to those areas um but those people if i uh, tend to feel a little squishy when they're not uh when they're not pumped up you know uh i a while back uh, an individual came into the pittsburgh area to show me a, a certain device which was so it was kind of like a um, an emg ish sort of thing looking at peak contraction and you know this guy obviously had a bodybuilding sort of background and uh i actually i went above his peak contraction for bicep and i do zero bicep training um but i know how to contract and i know how to create tension and he was like befuddled that uh, yeah. that, that was the case so i think there's um there there is that difference in the style of training and what we're looking at. Um, and, you know, this, this idea that we're getting, we're kind of avoiding the pump, um, and just getting work done. You know, Pavel refers to a lot of the ANA style work and, um, some of this good strength training hypertrophy work is it feels more like manual labor. Um, it, it, it just feels like you're doing work. Um, good, solid work. And, and I do want to key on two things. Um, for, uh, for certain individuals who are listening who don't want to hypertrophy, you're not going to touch a kettlebell and blow up, right? <laughs> it, that's just not what's going to happen. And if you understand, if you kind of look at the, the parameters that I laid out of you know, the hypertrophy response, well, just don't do that. In in your training, it's a lot of other ways to train, Um, you know, swing snatches, because if we if we look at the other side of the aesthetic conversation and understand that the drum that I am going to be beating for the next for the rest of my life is the reason most people don't want to exercise is they think the only reason you exercise is for aesthetics. You exercise to look a certain way. It's the Jim Gaffigan joke. I went to the gym and I see all of these fit people and I'm like, you're done. You can go home. <laughs> you, you, you did it. Um, and that's, that's totally not the point. You want to, you may end up looking that way because you're training consistently, but I don't train to look any certain way. I train to train. Shockingly, I enjoy training. Um, it's, you know, I don't meditate. I train. Training is my meditation. It's uh, anyway, the whole other conversation on mindfulness and, and training and, and meditation, and the mental benefits. Next podcast, um, make a note. <laughs> right. um, but the, so you're not going to touch a kettlebell and blow up. You're not going to touch a barbell and blow up. Like it's actually getting hypertrophy response. And, and I haven't seen anybody that's accomplishing the workload that I am at the weights I am. Like I've, I've done pretty well in building out this program. When you look at a power lifter, a bodybuilder, you know, somebody that's actually, you know, really getting that hypertrophy response. A there's usually some <coughs> supplements involved that are straight uh, just straight create vitamin S, uh, that are really, you know, moving them in, in that direction, right. Because it enhances recovery and, and you can grow more from the work that you do. Um, their diets dialed into it, you know. Mark Wahlberg when he's when he's filmed a couple movies where he needed to look more like a bodybuilder and look bigger, he'll go look up the articles. He'll talk about it just how freaking miserable it is setting the alarm at two thirty in the morning so you can get up and slam down you know a forty gram protein shake uh, and then try to go back to sleep with a sloshy you know belly of liquid and, and protein. Uh, at two three o'clock in the morning, and then get up and eat another, you know, five, 800 calories before you go train, before you go have another protein shake, like to, to do, I have absolute respect for the bodybuilders and the people that go through that sort of lifestyle to, to accomplish those goals. It is a level of dedication that I don't have.
0: Um, I was talking to a
1: buddy of mine about a fat loss program and he's like, yeah, it's great. No, you have to do this. This is this. I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing any of those things. So yeah, let's, let's just, uh, let's just say I'm not going to do that because I'm not, Um, I I know me (laughs) and that's, I'm just not going to do that. So great program. I'm not going to do it. Total respect for those people that can, that can accomplish it. So the aesthetics conversation is challenging for me because I don't care how I look. Um, I want to look fit, right? So there is this overarching kind of, you know, I I, I want to look like a person that trains, but I accomplish that via training. I don't shift my training to go in the aesthetics direction. I just train. So I I think the aesthetics conversation is interesting because the other side of the coin is fat loss, right? And there's, if you're going to talk fat loss, we got to talk diet. You can't out snatch a donut, right? You can Uh, try that. You can try. And I have, um, but the, other, uh, you know, the other side, the, that's a paraphrase of an old, old saying that you may can't, can't outrun a, a, a bad diet or whatever the, I can't remember the old saying, but so the fat loss conversation, we got to talk diet and I'm, I'm a broad strokes guy. I'm, I'm good with concepts, uh, especially dietary wise, Michael Pollan's, um, food rules, um, he gives away the book in the first sentence. He's, he's super open about it. He's like, I'm going to give you the whole book in seven words. Eat food, mostly plants, not as much. And then he's added two more words and cook. Do your own cooking. Now, I lean, I follow that advice mostly because I eat a good bit of meat because um, I like it. So mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of, I kind of break the rules there, which should surprise no one since I follow no, you know, people don't send me programs anymore because they know I won't
0: follow them. I, I um, remember, <laughs> <laughs> I remember well, like, Brett. what do you think? He's like, nah, I'm just not going to do that. And I was like Okay.
1: Or if I do it, I'm going to change these five things, which means I'm not doing it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that sort of um, lean meats, veggies, control the other stuff, right? Um, it's, it's actually not, it doesn't have to be, I don't, I don't count macros. I don't, I, I'm not even sure if I remember what all the macros are, uh, but I certainly don't count them. I don't count calories. Um, I simply know that lean meats and veggies succeed. Uh, you need enough fiber in your diet to make sure everything stays regular and you need a lot of water and that's about as complicated as I get from a nutritional uh, standpoint. So disappointing to a variety of people out there, I'm sure, but uh, but that is the other side of the aesthetics coin that we need to talk about. And then for me, the third side of the aesthetics coin <laughs> is don't talk about aesthetics.
0: I don't care. It's like Fight, it's like fight Club? <laughs> exactly, 100%. Well, I mean, I've yet to see a three-sided coin, but I'm gonna keep looking. Um, so, you know, one of the things that you said earlier, um, it got me thinking about, you know, sort of my own journey, but also some of the athletes that I work with. Um, and you were saying you don't really train for aesthetic purposes, but it's sort of a, a side effect. And I've seen this time and time again, when people come in and they say, I want to, their only goal is aesthetics. I think what it does is it almost, it makes them so hyper-focused on the aesthetic component that. They forget about all the other components and all of the other benefits of, of strength training and, and, you know, conditioning and all the other things that you get out of it. And I almost feel like when you do hyper-focus on that, it's almost like this, this overly focused scenario where there is, it's so strict that if you mess up, you, you tend to be hard on yourself, but when I've worked with people that have performance goals, they're like, Hey, I want to get ready for my goal is to deadlift this or, you know, get this many pull-ups or push-ups. Um, the cool part is, is, you know, they're, they're focused on performance. And when you focus on performance, it's just a different mindset. Cause like for me, eating for eating, for fat loss and eating for performance is very, very different on the days that I go train jujitsu and I'm getting my butt beat for, you know, two hours, I'm, I'm getting as much food as possible because I need to, I need to spar with my coaches who are going to absolutely murder me. And I, my, I'm not going in there going, I hope I burn calories. I'm going in there going, I hope I ate enough food to survive for the next hour and a half. Right. And, um, and for me, it's a performance thing, but the byproduct of all of that hard training and the eating is, is I'm, you know, definitely I'm leaning out and, and I feel a little bit better, but all every single time that I've had a performance-based goal, the aesthetics came with it. And, but it's never gone in the opposite direction because aesthetics are cool. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, if, if I was walking around with a 10 pack and, you know, I look amazing with my shirt off, I'd probably be posting selfies left and right. That's just not me. Right. But at the same time, um, I've noticed that when I am just focusing on the performance aspect, getting stronger, getting more conditioning, trying to be better on the mats, there's that physical change um and uh same thing with my wife my wife doesn't train for aesthetics yet she's super fit and she's got muscle and, and she looks fantastic but she's not training because she's trying to look good in a bathing suit she's training because it's her it's her time to take care of herself it's it's um you know it's self care and it's important to her because she knows that when she takes care of herself um she can be a better mom and and uh, she can put up with my crap so uh, i think that Um, the, the lesson here with all of this stuff is, um, if you just kind of put your head down and do the work, you have to enjoy it and do the work. And whether you have, your goal is just to train, but if you're just putting the work in and you're consistent, the good things will happen. Um, but it's a different mindset. I think it's a very, very different mindset. And I think what it does is it gives people a little bit of leeway to not feel like, I have to lose five pounds. I have to lose 10 pounds. And what it does is it gives them the idea. It's like, Hey, this is a journey and being strong and durable and resilient is freaking awesome. And I would rather, I'm, I'm not as big as I once was because of all the, my cancer stuff too, but I feel physically really good, even though I'm not, I don't have as much muscle, but I feel so much better. But um, you know, I, I may not have the aesthetics that I once, but I don't care because when I quote unquote felt like I looked better, I felt worse. So I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have that trade-off. I'm simply not. And to, and if you ask anybody that's super lean and that, you know, walks around with a very, very low percent body fat, it's one of two things. It's either they're genetically gifted and, or they're freaking miserable because maintaining that level of, of leanness is just not, it's not healthy. It, it looks cool, but it's just not healthy.
1: hundred percent. I mean, if you take it into, um, you know, basic functionality. Uh, when females get too lean, they lose their period.
0: Yeah. It, you see it, it all totally the time in uh finger comps. See it in figure
1: comps. You see it in, in a variety of levels of sports and and uh, sports that have a, a weight component to it. Um, you know, for men, gymnastics and wrestling tend to come along with a lot of uh, dys uh, dysmorphic uh, body dysmorphic sort of uh, perspectives because of the, it's important to be a certain weight class or a certain weight so that you can compete, um, for female athletics that can go any, any direction. Um, so it's, um, it can really mess you up from a, a hormonal and metabolism standpoint. Uh, and yeah, being super lean, uh, actually not that healthy and, um, not that, well, not fun
0: period. No, it's not. Um,
1: the, the restrictor plates. And, you know, these are the people that, you know, oh, I can't have that. So this is why I don't like aesthetics. <laughs> Exercise is not a punishment for something you ate. It is a celebration of what your body can accomplish. I know it's a meme. Yes. I just quoted a meme. It's one of the only true memes that's out there. You know, oh, you know, I can't have that because I didn't train today. Have the donut. (laughs) Have the thing that you enjoy. Just train on a regular basis and enjoy your life. Mm -hmm. And your training should support your life. It should support you enjoying your life. It should not be punishment. It should not be this constantly restrictive thing where you feel like, oh, I can't do that because I didn't do this. And I, I can't have that because. Take a breath train train consistently and you will accomplish your goals um i i so i'm not a fan of 12 week transformation challenges i don't do aesthetics when somebody comes to me and they say i have a transformation i have a physique i have an aesthetic goal i'm like i can refer you to somebody else yeah because i don't do that i have no time or patience i'm i'm not going to manage your macros I'm not going to, you know, punish you for the fact that you fell off the, the the dietary wagon and you you had a fun weekend. Like I just if you want that, go elsewhere. I, I don't do that. And I think the world and, and would just so many more people would exercise if they realized you exercise for non-aesthetic reasons you the durability the resilience the 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 everything that you've talked about um that's why you exercise
0: yeah i mean and and i think you know another thing is as i you know get a little bit older i'm in my 40s and um you know i wouldn't say i'm old but i don't feel young um it's about feeling good and, and, and i've heard you say this a million times it feels good to feel good and um I don't really care about how much I can deadlift or back squat or bench press these days. I really don't. And, and I'll be honest, there is a part of me that's like, I need to go back to that because that's going to validate that I'm a strength coach, but no, it's not, you know, it validates that I'm a good strength coach is my client success, not my own. And that's what it boils down to because my athletes, like my fighters, I, I think I know how to train fighters pretty well and they tend to do, they tend to do okay. Um, but at, at the same time, it's just, it's definitely, it's definitely a mind. Uh, it's just, just, it's a shifting of the mind, right? That was a terrible way to put it, but you know what I'm talking about A mindset change. Um, it's, it's just different, but when you, I'll be honest, you got to kind of push that ego aside a little bit. And, and and we all want to, you know, everybody wants to have a heavy deadlift and everybody wants to, you know, I get it. Like I completely get it. And, but at the same time, after all of the life experiences that I've had with, with my cancer and, and you, you as well, man, feeling good. It feels good. And, um, and, and that's, that's what I'm going towards. And and here's the thing, the aesthetics will come because I'm enjoying training again. So I know that if I just keep on making smart decisions, if I train hard, if I'm consistent, I'm going to be better on the mats. I'm, I'm going to feel better. And the, the aesthetics will come. But again, like you said, it's not my primary focus. It's a, it's a side effect.
1: And, I, and I, I would be remiss if I didn't um, throw a, um, you know, if, if you want a scientifically driven hypertrophy program, uh, if you want to be as strong as you look and look like somebody who's strong, you know, Fabio's built strong, which is based off of Pavel's plan strong um, is a fantastic program that can take you that direction. And um, it will be based on um. Mainly barbell lifts, but but can also incorporate kettlebell. So I, I I would be remiss in a in a conversation on hypertrophy and aesthetics if I didn't mention, you know, Fabio's work with Bill Strong and and some of his other programs, which are uh, fantastic for physique change. Um,
0: I just that's not what I do. Yeah, um, and, and and Fabio is is um, let's see, if if you've never seen Fabio or seen what he looks like, you're not going to say. That dude's small, and he's not strong. Because that guy is—he is put together, and uh, not only does he look the part, he's—he's he's not a weak man.
1: Very strong guy. Um, so yeah, that's definitely you know an aspect of things to look at if you're if you're interested in that scientifically driven program. Um, I am an intuitive trainer trainee. Um, I enjoy looking at my notebook at the beginning of a session and going, huh, what do I want to do today? <laughs> just make it up as, as I go along. Um, so I, you know, to, to kind of put a bow on it and, and maybe, you know, bring this thing around a little bit. Um, I I think key concepts are consistency. If you train consistently, and this is to go back when I started training after cancer, getting 50 total reps in a session was a huge workload for me. I'm getting 180 to 300 reps in a session. Now I I've, but that's just consistent training.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and where I could progress, I have progressed, um, you know, knocking off 40, 60 or more, um, of a pull-up variation within a session. That's a good volume of, of pull-ups. Um, so, you know, just consistency over time has taken me that direction. Um, I, I if I had tried to go from zero to hero, Uh, right after and starting my training back, I didn't end up injured and, and, you know, I got a, you know, my, my wife who knows me, uh, fairly well, uh, put some restrictor plates, uh, in place and had me, you know, at a certain weight and intensity for a while because she knew me and that I may overreach. And so that benefited me greatly in the first part of my training after when I came back. Um, but it's consistency over time and if you train for six weeks and get hurt or just quit training for the next 10, and then you train for four, and then you don't train for six, and then you train for eight, and then you don't train for 32 weeks, yeah, results aren't gonna be there.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, well, a little, uh, little different talk today. Obviously we didn't get into the deep sort of science uh, of that stuff, but to be honest, like Brett said, It's, it's not all there. We have ideas and we have templates and we have guidelines, but there isn't a a tried and true owner's manual of do this and this will happen because then you have to look at the, all of the other aspects of training, like sleep, stress, hydration, nutrition, all the other life things, um, that, that sort of come along with just, um, (laughs) being an active member of society. Um, But uh, yeah, so anyways, guys, we're going to wrap it up today. Um, As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, do us a favor and give us a positive review on whatever platform you are viewing. And um, until the next time, guys, we'll see you soon. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, we're going to ask you for a favor. Please leave us some positive reviews. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thanks again for listening to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast.